0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Pals with Bill Wadman. Today, we have a real treat. We have my friend, Kristen Gaylord who, up until very recently, was the Beaumont and Nancy Newhall Curatorial Fellow in the Department of Photography at the Museum of Modern Art here in New York City. And uh, she's soon to be the Assistant Curator of Photographs at the Eamon Carter Museum of American Art down in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Kristen and I get into a very wide-ranging conversation about how she ended up becoming a curator of photography and what it takes to put together a large museum exhibit like the recently closed five-decade-encompassing Stephen Shore show that she helped make happen at MoMA. This is a really good one, so enjoy. This is episode two, I guess, of Pals with Bill Rodman, which is very exciting. Um, and I wanted to get Kristen in here before she leaves uh, for the middle of the country. Um, Ms. Gaylord here is uh, uh, going to exactly where you headed to.
1: Um, the Eamon Carter Museum in Fort Worth.
0: Look, you're all kinds of fancy.
1: Actually, it's the Eamon Carter Museum of American Art, specifically, and I'll be the assistant curator of photographs there.
0: Okay. And yeah. and where are you? Where, how do I know you? Where where, where are you currently? Did you actually finish your, your
1: fellowship already? Um, yeah. Ooh, yes. Yes. I had my <laughs> she's, last she's day like, in the office. <laughs> As of two days ago, yes. <laughs> I still feel very connected, but yes.
0: But you spent how long at MoMA? It's a three-year fellowship. Three-year fellowship. All right. Yeah. So wait, let's back up. You grew up in California. Yes. Where in California?
1: Um, well, I tell people Southern California. Okay. And if they ask more, um then i say sea. well i always say fullerton and if i ask more then i say the border of orange county and la county okay technically it's orange county if you just say that people think it's like the beach and yeah, sure. everything it's not it's um near disneyland like sure. sort of very in suburban a in, in mm-hmm. inland
0: a little bit yeah okay and your your parents like you lived there your whole life in the same area
1: um the life that i can remember okay yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. all right so you're, you know, high school, Kristen, you're in uh, taking classes and you're trying to figure out what you want to do for college. Which direction did you end up going and why?
1: Well, I actually, um, <laughs> I wanted to be an English professor. Really? Yeah, that was what I wanted to do. So, I, uh, you know, a lot of people who are early readers and sort of like really like the humanities just end up being English people in high school and college. Sure. Um, It's sort of one of the bigger humanities majors. So I went to college wanting to be an English professor and kind of switched art history once I was there. But I did get to take AP art history in high school. Yeah. Um, And like a lot of other high school classes, including history and stuff, when you take them in high school, there are a lot of memorization. And you walk away from the subject thinking that's what it is. So AP art history is basically famous for its... uh, Huge stacks of flashcards. Sure. You just have to memorize hundreds of works yeah. and then ID them on a test and write a couple essays. Sure. So I had taken this art is history. Da Vinci. This is
0: Caravaggio. This exactly. is Michelangelo. This is yeah.
1: Yeah, and people not from the Renaissance too. Right. So um, you have to learn that too. <laughs> cave paintings. Oh, Identify sure. cave paintings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not. You don't get to specialize. You don't get to interpret a ton. It's a lot more um, rote. Right. And so I was familiar with art history, but it wasn't something I immediately saw myself doing the okay. rest of my life.
0: So you went to a university where?
1: Um, I went to uh, Westmont College, which is okay. a small liberal arts school in Santa Barbara. 1,200 people.
0: Ah, Santa Barbara. Yeah. Home of psych. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I think Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston when they were together. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, they lived. And Oprah lives there too. When yeah. you were there? Um, I guess they
0: probably would have been around the same time. Yeah,
1: a little earlier. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, um, it's in Montecito, which is sort of the Beverly Hills of Santa Barbara. There's yeah. a lot of sort of very wealthy people who want a more reclusive life, kind of live up in the hills of Santa Barbara.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you 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 go to university, you're an a, a English person at first, and then how long did it take you to say, I guess I don't want to be an English professor, I'm actually interested in art?
1: Well, I took, I sort of, I think I... Phew, I believe I made art history my minor. So I took a couple of classes yeah. and just found myself more and more drawn to that yeah. um, than my English classes. And I, I stuck with the English major and just made a double major. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually had an English professor who, when I sort of told him I wanted to focus on art history said that he had had another student who did the same thing, and when she came back senior year to take her final English classes, she was a better interpreter of literature and poetry than she had been when she left. Okay. And he sort of saw art history and um, lit very as very uh, analogous. Sure. Because in both of them, you're not always the creative person, but you're learning to sort of interpret creative work. Yeah, yeah. So whether it's visual or literary, they're sort of quite similar disciplines, actually.
0: Yeah. See? It's, it's it's funny how there's like the overlap and all these different things, you know, like I was a engineering major initially, and then I went into music and it's like, well, there's a lot of like mathematical overlap and just mm-hmm. analytical thinking and all that, right? How, there's, yeah. how many different things that they're common. So was there a particular area of art history that you were that you were drawn to?
1: Um, yeah, 20th century, specifically early 20th century. So I did my final paper on um, the reception history of New York data art <laughs> Okay. Um, and sort of. Um, r- looking at how people had written about it, so it was a little sort of English, a little meta, meta, yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah, was yeah. sort of looking at how people had talked about it through the decades since it had appeared in New right. York.
0: And so you get out of school, do you go? Did you get a master's? Or I'm sure you've got like 27 different degrees.
1: <laughs> well, because I, still, I had, I wasn't able yet to let go of that professor dream. Yeah. So I just switched from wanting to be an English professor to an art history professor. That was sort of as far as my imagination could take me right. at that point. Um, basically I was one of those kids who had, o- had really always been good at school and just being a professor seemed like the one way I could just do that forever. Did, were, yeah. Were
0: Did you, you like the idea of school? I always did. Yeah. yeah. Um. Was there it, a part of you that was scared to leave?
1: Yes, definitely. Right. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Where some people can't get out and right. so, or
0: don't can't you get, know, like fast get me enough. out. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then
1: No, in in um, personality ways, I'm quite conservative. So the idea of like staying with what I knew and what I knew I was good at, finding a tenure track job, getting sure. tenure, like all that was exist? very familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and appealing. Okay. Um, and I graduated in two thousand nine, which was a terrible year to right, graduate. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I went straight to the masters. I didn't take any time off. Okay.
0: And your master's was in the same specific stuff? Art history, yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, art history and archaeology. So I applied to the top programs that I could find, and I went to the best one I got into, which was um, NYU's Institute of Fine Arts program. Which led
0: you to New York. Mm -hmm. And then you finished that up, and you were like, now i got to find a
1: job. Well, no, actually. So um, I was in New York a couple years, did the master's. Didn't want to leave yet. Continue straight into the PhD program, because <laughs> um, uh, you know I you can't do the professorship with just the just the sure. masters. Yep. Um, you know, along the way, it sort of honed my area. Switched to post war instead of early 20th century. Um, but uh, I wasn't really that interested, interested in working yet because it was a, I was a full time student. But I did want to get some experience. The problem is you can't really intern as a professor. You yeah. have to be at a certain level already to even adjunct teach.
0: Right. You have okay. to have
1: finished all your courses, finished your exams. They want you almost done. So, in those. So, they could pay you nothing. Exactly. <laughs> but in those early years, they want to pay you nothing, but they don't even want to pay you nothing because right. you're, st- you're only like two years older than the students you'd be teaching. Yeah, you know? sure. Um, so I took internships that were not in academia, but were sort of art related, okay. just as a way to make some money yeah. and to get some experience. That I thought, oh, I can find a way to make this sound like it's close to teaching or developing syllabi or something. Yeah, yeah. So I worked at the De Kooning Foundation for sure. a while as an intern, basically just because they paid, which I think everyone should pay. do. Yeah, they paid ten bucks an hour back in 2011. Um, and then I applied to be a MOMA intern. And they, d- they didn't pay back then. They do now. Yeah. But back then, it was a 40-hour-a-week unpaid internship for 10 weeks. And I got that. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but like this will look good. And yeah. I still can't teach. So I'll do this for now.
0: Right, basically. right, right. Yeah. Th- th- can I ask you a question? Feel free not to answer this one. I will. Uh, but inside of something like the de Kooning Foundation or mm-hmm. you know, the Avedon Foundation or any of these kinds of things, there seems to be a push-pull between... Protecting the work and protecting the value of whatever work that they still hold on to and all these kinds of things. Is that actually something that's a known thing inside of these worlds? Or is you know do they see themselves as purely a protective organization of the work that's out there? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it really depends on the foundation or the estate. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw the Times article recently about the Lichtenstein Foundation. They've decided to basically dissolve Okay. They don't see themselves existing in perpetuity. So they're selling or donating all the work they have and, like, wrapping up operations.
0: Figuring that nothing else they're going to ever have to identify and verify or any of that kind yeah, of stuff. Basically. Yeah, basically.
1: And a lot of them won't do that now anyway because of lawsuits. <laughs> sure. Um, whereas, like, the Rauschenberg and the Warhol Foundations are very active in giving grants to young artists and they maintain residencies. They do a sure. lot more than just... The yeah, work. yeah, yeah. The de Kooning Foundation is a little more um, behind the scenes. They sort of just maintain um, his uh, archives and um, keep track of his works and where they're ending up. And they're like a little bit, a uh, little bit narrower focus yeah. than some of the other foundations.
0: It's interesting that you being interested in early 20th century and then post war. Painting was it that you were? Interested? What kind of? I mean, of
1: the thing is, in art history classes, the default is yeah. sort of painting and sculpture. Yeah. So I had actually never taken a class that talked about more than maybe Arbus and like Talbot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so painting and sculpture at the
0: so, time. So is it being in the archives of some guy who was not you know deceased, whatever, twenty years ago or whatever the heck it was that de Kooning passed away? Um the, is 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 it sort of do you still get a sense because you can be in these places where the artists actually were because it wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. and it's still meaningful mm-hmm. like oh yeah there's the ashtray that he used that's sitting on a table you know what i mean like it, th- mm-hmm. those are possibilities
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you as an art history person get off on that as much as an artist would <laughs> being in the same room does that make sense
1: um I think maybe after a while you don't, because if you're writing a dissertation, all you're doing is archival work. So you're going to a place and just leafing through letters they wrote and receipts that they... Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of constantly using that material. So I think maybe... Kind of stuff
0: other people would totally geek out about.
1: I think maybe we get more access. So it was special at the time, definitely, but it's maybe not quite the same as it would be for someone who doesn't have that access regularly.
0: Yeah. And you yourself we're never interested in making stuff. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting, right? Yeah. What is, is it, is it, is it you, do you like the idea of interpretation? Do you like the idea of cataloging? Do you like the, like, what part of it is the thing that, that sort of interests you?
1: Yeah, that's a good qu- I mean, it's, it's the same sort of stuff that made me want to be a professor. I think it's yeah. the interpretive work. It's, um, I used to have this very, sort of embarrassing now dream, like my dream was to be part of the conversation, to be someone who had um, a journal article in a, in a publication that someone else then incorporate into their understanding of whatever it was I was writing about and built on and sort of this like piece by piece You yep. um, you're building, building a brick in the feet. wall. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I really always liked that. I also, I'm too um, much of a perfectionist and self-critical to create very much, very comfortably. You'd obsess too much. I've written like 10 secret poems that no one sees, but otherwise, yeah, I'm much more comfortable with like an academic style of writing yeah, um, and interpretive work <laughs> and giving an opinion on somebody else's. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And the people that you've worked with in your field, does that tend to be the way or do people, are there people who were artists who decided to go this direction for whatever reason?
1: Um, it tends to be the way now. It wasn't historically. I mean, even think about the MoMA photo department, right? Yeah. When you think about Steichen and Tchaikovsky, they sure. were all photographers. They were actual people who, who were kind shooting, of yeah. sometimes fell into curation. Yeah. Now it's like everything else become much more professionalized, and you can have a career as an artist before you become a curator, but um, you still have to go through the masters, often the sure, PhD, sure. and sort of, and not a lot of artists take that route.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't
1: yeah. want to for very understandable reasons.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So you're doing the straightforward art history thing. How do you fall into photography?
1: Because um, they wanted me yeah. and nobody else did. <laughs> no. um, when I applied to MoMA, I applied to other departments at MoMA. I never applied to work with photography because as I mentioned, it's just, it's not a major part still of a lot of the sort of traditional art history classes and the textbooks that, you know, dead and Gardner's and Janssen's, they're not a lot on photography in those. Well, look,
0: it was only the 70s when photography was considered art at all in exactly. many ways, right?
1: Yeah. So um, I didn't apply to it, but uh, I was a PhD candidate at the time because, you know, I'd gotten that far. And one of the curators um, in the department prefers PhD candidates for interns. Okay. Um, so she has an arrangement um, where she kind of uh, goes through all the the applications every you know three months or whatever, and sort of pulls out people who are PhD candidates to look at because she really, she she likes her interns to do heavy research for her. Sure. And she wants someone who has a certain amount of training already.
0: And you like doing that research? Yes. Yeah.
1: And so she called and phone interviewed me, and I was like, oh, photography, okay, like sure, I'll take it sure. it's at MoMA, and I just this isn't my thing anyway. I'm just doing this for some experience.
0: But was she asking you specific photography questions that you didn't feel that you could answer, or? Was no. she just looking for somebody? It doesn't look the actual work you're doing in the field. The the subject of the work you're doing is less important than your process or your exactly. knowledge. Of, really, yeah. okay. And
1: it, uh, eventually, I got to the point where they were asking me photo questions in sure. job interviews. But as an intern, they really just wanted um, trustworthy research. I mean, part of it is it's a bit of an intern factory, right? We have two to three interns um three times a year. Yeah. And so it's important to have the skills but also be the kind of person who's so organized and clear you can pick up someone else's project and then in ten months like seamlessly hand it off to another person. Right, right, right. right. And sort of fit but into the But you were that.
0: there overlapping a bunch of those kinds of people. You yeah. were there for three years, was it?
1: Well so I was there as an intern for ten weeks. Okay. And then um then and enjoyed it, had a great time. That yeah. was that. Went back to being a full time grad student. The next uh spring i got a call from one of the curators and they said we need more people but we can't hire a curatorial assistant right now because we don't have a chief curator right. and the chief curator needed to be involved with that so we're asking you and another intern to come back as research assistants okay so same sort of thing this time 6 months went back in you know did similar work with a little bit more input got to know the department better again contract ended and i left
0: okay so you're so, in your, you're in you're out
1: Exactly, kind of maintaining contacts with them along the way, but still thinking well, it's like an it's-
0: abusive relationship. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he
0: they, just keeps leaving you. <laughs> but they
1: paid. But they paid me th- at yeah, that okay. time. <laughs> so I was sort of maintaining contacts, but still thinking that wasn't my primary focus or field. I picked my dissertation topic. It was not photo. It was not museum related. Right. Moving on. Um, then I finish um, for the PhD in the humanities. You often have coursework and then exams. Uh, ours are called orals because it's an oral exam where you do, like, identify work. And one of them was photo, because I was like, well, I've done all this work now. I might as well make that one of my three fields. So the other was post-war American, and the third was Latin American um, and Caribbean art. And then, so a couple years go by this time, and I sort of come to, finally, the crossroads, where I choose the museum world, because um, I applied for a grant uh, for my final year of my dissertation. So they would just basically pay me $22,000 for the year and I would finish writing. Right. Um, And then I also uh, saw that MoMA was hiring two positions in the photo department, two curatorial assistants basically. And I was like, well, I should at least apply. I know them all. I've been there. Yeah. Applied, got both. And they were mutually exclusive. You can't work while having that fellowship. So I sort of had to decide at that point, which road I was going to take. Was I going to take the road that I finish in a year, I go on the job market, I apply for professorships. I wasn't going to take this three-year position at MoMA and sort of put off or even put aside the academic world.
0: It feels like, though, that as far as—I mean, you're still pretty young. (laughs) No. As as far as—well, compared to me, I'm old. (laughs) As far as usefulness long-term, having been at MoMA for 18 months or whatever it is, I mean, that's massively valuable on your CV, especially if you're going to leave New York. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, my sister works at the Smithsonian— she can go work at any museum Rip in the world because she spent years at the Smithsonian, right? Yeah. So it's like it's one of those things, you know. It's like the Yankees call you say yes, <laughs> right?
1: Yes. Although, if I wanted to still be professor, MOMA would not mean nearly as much in that in that world really? in that context. No. Okay. Um. The um, the job sort of qualifications are actually quite different. So. In the museum world, which I actually love about it, it's experience. It's what have you worked on? Where have you worked? Who have you worked with? What are you? What are your skills? What are you good at? Etc. In the academic world, it's often publications, conference presentations, yeah. and um, uh, and do, is your book under contract yet?
0: Really, it's all but about it's, it's, it's very, all about publication.
1: Yeah, and they actually they take they like to take risks in the academic world on sort of unknown slash promising people.
0: Somebody who might twist, twist the field in a certain direction that looks good for NYU or whoever. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's
1: a little perverse, but actually it's easier to get a job like your first year out of grad school than like your fifth year out of grad school. Really? Yeah. Because and it's really messed up. They're and there's hot. like a whole um, online literature where people blog about how terrible academia is in this yeah. way, but they sort of want to find the next... Uh, hot thing. Sure. And the longer you've been on the job market without getting a tenure track position, the more people think, Oh, maybe they're not. Yeah.
0: It's the same in the person. law world. Why hire the person who's been out of law school two years when we can get a kid who's just out of law school. Exactly. Now. Yeah. So
1: experience doesn't count as much as publications and promise in academia, whereas in the museum world, it's good to have sort of what I've done now at MoMA. Right.
0: right. Okay. So curation. Yeah. The word itself implies all kinds of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, I guess this is going to sound harsh, but like, why are curators the ones who get to decide what's important? You know what I mean? Like this larger question of, well, who the heck are you? You're not a photographer, right? right? You know what I mean? You're not, you're not in that world with your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. What makes you guys good judges, Mm -hmm. you know? And especially in a field like photography, which is still a living art more than, you know, I mean, paint. people are still painting and sculpture, but it's, has such a long history. Mm-hmm. Photography goes back to 1840, right? And even then, eh, 1900 or whatever it is, right? You know what I mean. Like within reason, there's lots of stuff in the 19th century, but the majority of photography is in the last hundred years.
1: Probably in the last, last ten years, right? Yeah. Right? Well,
0: yeah. Numbers wise, the last yeah. 33 minutes. <laughs> um, so, 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 how do you come down on all that and and, and understanding? <laughs> What is important because it follows in in the history of photography, and what's important because it breaks from the history of photography? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on on that kind of stuff? I know it's a big, giant question you could write sixteen books on. But
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think I'll address the first one first, the second one second. So first is sort of um, what is the job and and why are people doing it? And the second is like how do I sort yeah. of think about it. Fair enough. Um, uh, I think about it the way I think about editing. Mm-hmm. Or any other thing in which sometimes it's helpful to have the person who's not doing creating bringing a different perspective to the work. Um, then again, like I said, people like Steichen and Tchaikovsky were amazing curators and were photographers. Yeah. So it's not that they have to be mutually yeah. exclusive. I don't think. And ever. in many
0: ways, later in their lives, which maybe helped give them some perspective, right? Right. You know, They'd yeah. sort of
1: taken, right, they sort I've of done what it is themselves. that I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And now I'm yeah. going to look at these younger people who are So doing Bill
1: stuff. Wadman, Act 2.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll get a job at MoMA.
1: Um, yeah. So in some ways, I think that can be very helpful for people. Yeah. Um, that Not to say that um, photographers can't be amazing curators themselves. Sure. Um, it also, I mean, one of my mentors at MoMA has changed my perspective on curation in an old-fashioned way. Because, um, you know, curare, the Latin root, is to care for. hmm and nowadays curation often means putting together a show. Yeah. So if you cur- curate something you put together an exhibition. Um historically it means taking care of a collection. That's right. that's the sort of um where the gravity of the job. Almost
0: conser- conservatory c- conservation more yeah, than so
1: um and and conservation but also acquisition, deacquisition sure. yeah, even yeah, yeah. sort of um, and that's the work that I really like. Is and that still a
0: big part of all of this? You just happened to work on a big, sh- a big sh- photo show was coming right. through right when you got there. Right.
1: But and I don't know if I go this far, but this mentor of mine would probably have an issue with the term independent curator because she doesn't think you really are doing curation if you're not working with a collection.
0: Oh, interesting. Right. Okay.
1: Um. So, in in that way, that's a full time job on its own. Right. Organizing a show you can do as an artist once in a while while you're also doing your sort of other work. Sure. But if what you're doing is looking at like the same Moma's collection of 45,000 or so images and you're you're sort of making sure they're well cared for in a physical sense, but also in an interpretive sense, you're getting them online, you're writing about them, you're acquiring new ones every couple months, and sometimes you're getting rid of ones that are duplicates or not in good condition anymore. Um, all of that work
0: dealing with the politics of some rich person who wants to (laughs) donate things that you don't necessarily want without saying, um,
1: but all of that is like very logistical. Sure. It's, um, and it's not, it's not all, it's partly about having a good eye, but it's not all about that. There's all these other sort of skill sets. Whereas I think historically what photographers who turned into curators have been especially good at often was having an amazing eye and understanding of the medium Yeah, and were able to put together wonderful shows or, um, yeah. Or, or bring in really good new acquisitions that they were willing to take a risk on. Yeah,
0: a few years ago, I was down in Princeton. I guess the art museum down in Princeton mm-hmm. had a photo show on, and I forget exactly who it was, but it was a collection of some Princeton alumni, rich person, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It was a photo show, and they had one of everything. Name yeah. a photographer; they had one, one or two of, of every yeah. single thing. Right? Some of them very lovely. Yeah. Zero cohesiveness in in the set of images. Mm-hmm. No point of view. <laughs> It was basically, you know, walking down the the road in Bed Bath and Beyond and saying, "I need a pillow, and I right. need a
1: comforter, and I need a whatever, need right. a toaster." Picking an artist and kind of throwing a dart to pick which image. Or yeah, something. exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, or the one they can afford. Yeah. You know, well, oh, we can't afford a Cartier Bresson, so well, yeah, here's one that we can afford. It's yeah. ten grand. You know, it's because it's no one wants it or whatever, right? <laughs> um, so I think that probably in smaller museums with less. You know, funding and all that kind of stuff, that's got to be an element of it, too. Whereas, like, we want to be seen as whatever it is, so we have to build up our collection. But working somewhere like MoMA, what did you say, 140,000?
1: Oh, 45,000. 45, images. Right, 45,000 images, yeah.
0: which are all prints, correct?
1: Yes. That doesn't count the negatives we have or anything, yeah. Right.
0: All sitting in big, giant rooms on 50-whatever, 5th Street, what is it?
1: 54th 53rd and in Queens, too, actually.
0: Oh, a lot of stuff's in Queens. Yeah, and big warehouses. stuff is in Queens, okay. yeah. Um,
1: not just warehouses, art stores.
0: I'm sorry. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, in places where things are kept yeah. uh, like that. Um, all right. Sorry. I, I, I derailed you. Okay. So that's how, that's how you think that the industry sees curation.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it sort of depends. So what you said about a small museum, I actually have really strong opinions about that. I think sometimes small museums try to do what you just described yeah. and to their detriment and the detriment of the community they're supposed to serve. hmm Um, Especially now when everyone is so mobile and can go, if they need to see the best Picassos in the world, they can do that. Um, But what they need from maybe their local museum is not to get a third-rate Picasso so they have a Picasso, right? But is, is to build a strength, is to build... Sort of like an art historian to build um, a point of view, a specialty in something specialty. that other people haven't looked
0: into, exactly,
1: yeah. and become a destination for people who need to see that. Right, you know, even if it's if it's not Picasso, but it's someone that not everyone knows, it still can be really important to the field. But that's have. where you
0: have to have a director, or somebody who really,
1: yeah,
0: people trust, or comes in from somewhere else and says, no, 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 we're going to look at you know. 1960s, you know, Asian photography or whatever right. it is and, like, obsess about that, right?
1: Right. Or we have the entire archive of this one person who is an amazing fashion photographer. Yeah. Like, let's promote them. Let's put together the comprehensive show on them. Let's yeah. do what we yeah, can yeah. do with, with that no one yeah. else can.
0: And, you know, there are some places that will take if somebody's retiring or going to dot, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm on my last legs, whatever it is. I want my entire archive to go to X place. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of things a lot of places are like, we don't want your whole archive. <laughs>
1: I went to a um, conference on museums recently where people talked about that being an issue, especially in smaller places where they were a general history museum as opposed to an art museum. Sure. Sure. And people would come and sort of say, "Oh, history museum! Like you're for the you're for the old stuff, right? Like old stuff is what yeah, yeah, you do." Yeah. And just you're would sort stuff. of give them grandma's clothes and whatever else they could right, find, right, and they yeah. had to find a way to, yeah. um, either accept it and then sort of donate it, or yeah. kindly tell this generous person that they didn't they didn't have they didn't have the resources to care for all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I remember, I, I, apparently, I think Ansel Adams stuff is down in Arizona or something mm-hmm. somewhere. And students in the photo department can actually print his negatives. Like, he wanted them to be used.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, go
0: try to print this thing that you know what a print looks like that I made. Yeah. Give me your best shot. (laughs) I like that idea, right? Because so much of this stuff just becomes this stuffy stuff in a box, right? Mm -hmm. That gets pulled out once every 50 years for some retrospective of that kind of work.
1: Well, and that's a problem with museums who acquire too aggressively is if you're acquiring at a rate that you can't sustain showing the work, then you're acquiring things for storage. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to publish it, if you're not going to put it on view, then it, yeah. then it, then it can be a little hoardy to sort of stockpile too much work. And you know, that's right, a problem right. with a lot of major museums where the percentage of their collection that's on view is maybe 8% yeah. or something, yeah. single digits.
0: So you're, you're <clears> going from a rel- pretty darn large museum to a still pretty big museum. I mean, the global, I mean, bigger than a small town thing. You're right. it's a serious museum. Uh, do, do you feel like you're actually going to have to change your perspective much?
1: Um, I actually think that the, the things that I've said right now um, yeah. fit really well with the Carter, which is one of the reasons I was excited about it because um, their, their photo collection is massive. It's bigger than MoMA's in okay. terms of numbers. Um, their paintings and sculptures not nearly the size of moments. They're a very photo heavy museum. Okay. And part of that's because they have a specialty, they have a viewpoint, they sort of have a honed collection. Which is what? Um, they they especially have a lot of 19th century work, right. um, Western work, because at one point in their history, they were the Eamon Carter Museum of Western Art. Ah, so, so. Um, you know, uh, survey images and, you know, the Moybridge sort of yeah, uh, sure. uh, Western landscapes. Also, a lot of images of indigenous peoples that were taken um, in large groups. And also, um, some uh, students of Clarence White. So, like, a uh, pic- little later pictorialist sure. work. Um, it's and a interesting, because some of
0: that stuff crosses over into anthropological right. objects.
1: Or that's how they started, and now yeah, we're yeah, putting yeah. them in museum. Yeah, Now we see them as art. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I haven't been in the collection yet, but that's what I know they have um, already. And they're not trying to get, um, you know, a ton of Gurskis yeah. or a ton of the very expensive. Everyone has to have one, you know, major wall filling um, photographs, which have a place at MoMA, but maybe don't complement the collection of Eamon Carter.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 in, it's interesting for a a place a museum to choose an older period and say we're sticking with that. Yeah, because there's there's less room for growth. I mean, you could grow laterally, but you know what I mean. Right. You have to, you have to be very smart about how you do that.
1: So they do acquire new work, but um, as far as I understand, John acquires new work with an eye towards how it complements, expands, or otherwise relates to what's already there. This is how
0: a 20th century person saw the same thing as the person, right? In the 20th or the
1: is exploring similar themes with yeah. a different technology, yeah. or um, is um, a person with a similar relationship to the land, but Eighty years later, whatever it is. Sure. Um So, keeping a holistic view yeah. of what the collection yeah. is, as opposed to sort of saying, oh, "Okay, we have this old stuff," but let's also build up an unrelated, you know, yeah. series yeah. of contemporary images.
0: And, and, and photography in general, from a museum point of view, has largely been print based. Is
1: mm-hmm. that fair to say? Yeah.
0: Okay. Do you do you think that that is correct, or do you think that that is? Uh, Yes, print is the end result of mm-hmm. so many decades of, of photography, but photography is going in so many different directions. The formats we're shooting on, digital things, were, you know, print is some ways less than the digital file that it's printed from in mm-hmm. many ways, you know, which is technically even more archival. You know what I mean? Right, it's going to last right. longer, you know, these kinds of things. Do you think that that photography curation is too stuck in the world of physical art of, hmm. of, of
1: Physical painting objects. and sculpture. Yeah. 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 You know
0: what I mean? Where, where the world is going in a different direction and, and, but photography and maybe 50, 80 years ago in order to seem to be taken as seriously as painting. Had and, to and focus sculpture. on the object. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you, th- do you, uh, you know, do you think that that's,
1: um, I mean, I just, I love, I love prints. So that's like sure. per- from a personal Everybody level. I like, prints. don't want to give that up. Sure. Um, I'm interested in some aspects of, sort of, you know, um, digital or, or photography that lives in a way that doesn't have a print. Yeah. Um, but different from painting to me, photography is not on its own, always an art form the way that painting kind of is. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's, um, photographs that show up in a court of law as evidence and there's photographs that are surveillance, there's photographs in all these different ways. Um, and art photography being still focused on the object, just, um, Makes some sort of sense because, as you said, that's the main history of it. Yeah. And so many artists nowadays engage with that history. Yeah. Their way of making photography is to somehow obliquely or sometimes way too directly like reference sure. the history of art itself. So that keeps them quite object-based, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are people who deal with digital photography that never... Gets printed, obviously, but I think even more that's often in the realm of video, and in some photo departments, video would come under the purview of sure photography. Which but like at Moa, it yeah. doesn't as much. That's the um, uh, um, media and performance art yeah. department.
0: Even, even as yeah, even as film gave way to. Via, to, to videotape mm-hmm. gives way to digital files, that must be a big question that they're dealing with at all times.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, we have tons of media conservators, or I shouldn't say we since I'm gone now from MoMA. MoMA has tons of media conservators whose main job is as technology evolves, making sure we still have access to all the things sure. that were made in the 80s yeah. or There's later. There's a,
0: a, a David Fincher, the director. Uh, I think it's him. Uh, famously keeps a version of whatever system they finish the movie on, whatever crazy mm-hmm. computer system that gets boxed up with the files yeah. That so that they sense. always have something to, to review it mm-hmm. on. They don't have to worry about versions and, and, and data and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so you come into MoMA with this fellowship
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they Technically, were, I should say the name, <clears throat> sorry. it's
1: the Beaumont and Nancy Newhall curatorial fellowship okay so another sort of like very MoMA uh photo history sort of a reference are these people
0: still alive the people who gave the money
1: um the people being Ansel Adams oh really yeah so he endowed it in the seven I think 77 he endowed the fellowship in Newhall's name
0: (laughs) oh interesting yeah okay well there you go (laughs) um you walk in and they had already started working on a show for Stephen Shore
1: um not, ex- I mean, not exactly. The The show had been approved. Okay. So I was hired at the same time as my colleague because they're looking for two positions. And on the first day, we kind of were brought into the chief's office and he said, like, this is what you're going to work on. So they were
0: looking for you guys for this purpose? Specifically. Partly, yes. Okay, yeah. Yes.
1: Um, and so my colleague Kelly started two weeks before I did and she started on the Louise Lawler show. And then I came in and he said, do you want to work on Stephen Shore with me? Basically, and you were like, No, I can't stand <laughs> that guy's work, right? So, we, we can indicate what we're interested in, but often yeah. it's what's up on the calendar. Yeah. We get assigned to work with different carriers, and they try and rotate us through working with different carriers. Yeah. But, too. I mean,
0: you liked Shore's work, but what if you didn't? What if you really were just like, Oh, god, I have to spend the next two years of my life staring at this work that I really don't care about or doesn't connect with
1: me? I would at have all. tried to handle how many people I told that to, but yeah, yeah I would have just done That's it. That's got
0: to be. Yeah, there's got to be a thing that happens. I mean, right?
1: it's it's. Um, although I have issues with the way the system works, it is sort of a dues paying system where you spend your CA sort of years interpreting someone else's vision, no matter what you think of it, and then you graduate, hopefully, to curator, and you get to be the person you who get to be the person who picks decides. what you work on and um, yeah. gets other people to work on it with you.
0: Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so you walk in. It's been approved. They said this is what you're going to be doing for the next two years. W- where do you start?
1: Um, yeah, well, and in photo too, we don't just get one thing at a time. So shore was on my plate from the first day, right? but they said, but also so is, um, this Albers book and so is new photo, which opens in six months. So you're usually juggling a few projects and the goal is that each project is at a different stage because then it requires a different amount of time and also type of work. Sure. So I had three years to work on shore. The first Six months to a year was very research-oriented. So we're building up our bibliography, our exhibition history. I'm making sure we have a handle on all the sources, all the interviews. We are um, going up to Stephen's studio and getting to see everything he has. Yeah. Just sort of show us whatever you sure, got. Yeah. And,
0: and as a living artist, that changes things a right. lot, right? Because you right. actually are getting first-person documentation and stuff from him.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so working with his gallery to get images of everything. So, you know, depending on the curator, you can do it different ways. One curator in that department likes to have file folders with references to specific works or series. Um, One curator I formerly worked for likes image binders with every work that we can find the artist has made that she gets to look through chronologically. Which for somebody like that could be... Thousands and thousands. Right. And that's thousands. Ma- that's not made for photographers necessarily. Yeah, it's um,
0: better for painters.
1: Um and Kantan spent a lot of time with books, Steven's books, because he's like a very prolific sure. book writer and publisher. Um and looking out how and looking at old installation images, how had other shows of his looked before, what had been included, what were we gonna do yeah. that was different or you know, expanding
0: and because was it originally the idea that it was going to be a large sort of survey show of his? Oh, whole? definitely. Okay, yeah, so that definitely. that was that was right off the bat. Yeah,
1: it was planned already for um for 2017. It was planned for when he was turning 70. We have a long history with him. It was sort of meant to be, from our point of view, of course, like. The Shore Show to End All Shore Shows. Sure, basically. sure. This is
0: the one that people will talk about in 40 years. When or
1: when And from my point of view, like the book th- that will be the most comprehensive and all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So while I'm doing the research-oriented and um, almost like record-creating um, work for, yeah. for Stephen, I'm doing um, stuff in a much later stage for um, – new photography that, you know, we were at the stage where we were getting loan requests back and we were starting to worry about installing works and exhibition design and what the calendar was and writing the text for the wall and that kind of
0: thing. It really is amazing how many different Things have to get done for you to go see a thing on a bunch of pictures on a wall, right? You know, yeah. And I'm not, don't mean that dismissively. Yeah, it's just, no, it's, you know, it's the true. people designing this stuff, the, you know, well, who has a print of this? Mm-hmm. Does Stephen even have a print of this anymore? Right. Oh, we got to go to the Carter Museum, you know, yeah. whatever it is, right? Like, right. And, and make a deal with them and, oh, they'll lend it to us, but we need to lend them such and such for their show a year from now. I mean, there must be these sort of tip for tack kind of deals that go around. Oh, definitely. So, yeah.
1: And, um, you know, with Stephen's show, it was just him. When I was working on a new photo, there were 19 artists who were Whoa. all living. And, you know, 17 or so of them had galleries also. So there's there's tons of that sort of yeah, work going yeah, into yeah, yeah. it, planning performances and, and all that kind but of stuff. But you
0: imagine for a gallery, no one's going to say no to MoMA doing a show. That's only going to increase value of whatever they're selling.
1: I'm sure people have said no that I don't know about. People don't tend to say no, but they tend to think this is my one chance to get everything I've ever wanted. True. So they yeah. do come with a lot yeah. of their own requests often. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you, and you don't know why they chose Shore in the first place. Was it just because he was turning 70? Was there like a specific Well, like thing? I said,
1: he has a long history with MoMA. Yeah. He's sort of um, at the at one of the opening events, Kantan um, spoke to Jeff, who's the chief curator of photo at the Met yeah. and sort of publicly in his um, toast and sort of said, there are people who are Met artists and there are people who are MoMA artists and we, we share Stephen because oh, okay. he has yeah, such yeah, a yeah. long New York history with both these institutions. Sure. Um, but also, um, I think, you know, he'd, he'd recently had a major retrospective in Europe, but he hadn't had one since um, the show that came to the ICP in New York in 10 years. Yeah. And Content had seen that show, but sort of thought there were more things that he wanted to bring out of Steven's Where was career. the one in Europe? It know? started at Mapfre, okay who does excellent photo shows, actually, yeah. and toured. So I saw it in Berlin, um, but it was it, it how was big in a was it compared countries. to the
0: show you ended up finishing?
1: Um, it was similar in size, maybe just a tiny bit smaller. So pretty big. in terms of what it covered of his career, yeah, in terms of how many actual works it included. It was nowhere close because we just had a lot more.: They had more works in space, out. Yeah, yeah so they had fewer works. From the same sorts of periods we were covering, but they yeah. also didn't cover some of the more archival stuff. They didn't do, um, much, They didn't do anything from um, all the meat you can eat, yeah. and you know that, and some of the um, uh, more off the beaten path yeah. stuff from Stevens' yeah. career. They didn't do the stereos or the transparencies yeah. or any of that.
0: I like the stereos by the way. Those yeah. little machines were cool, aren't they? Um, so so you're going through all this stuff, and obviously your bosses and your whole team is going mm-hmm. through all this stuff, like. It, how much does the photographer get to input into what's in there? You know what I mean? Cause the, I mean, he's got massive amounts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe he thinks the big chunk of work from 1992 to 1996 is the stuff that he wants to right. put weight on to. And you guys disagree. You want the stuff from 78 to 82 or whatever it is. Yeah. Is there, is there actual, is it just sort of like, no, you either let us do this and we do it the way we want or you know what I mean? Is yeah. it, is it a, you know, is there stuff being done
1: between the two of you? I'm assuming. It totally depends. So, it depends on the curator. It depends on the artist. Okay. And it depends on the institution a little bit. So, um, MoMA has recently gotten... How much clout they have. Yeah. But we've recently gotten some flack and um, mostly the Times, I think for a couple of shows that happened over the past five years when we really just gave it to the artist to do yeah, and then the reviewer didn't like the show and was like MoMA's abdicating its job <coughs> yeah, yeah. like you know just you, letting you the artist be yeah. crazy and take over the space and it's incomprehensible and whatever yeah. um, uh, and of course the classic is the opposite the classic is you know the traditional is the artist has no say whatsoever yeah. the curator comes you know like a god with a table full of images points usually his finger at four and like that's that um, it can be anything in between now. Our particular relationship um, uh, was collaborative, but you know, Stephen was amazing to work with. Believes in curators as a, sort of as a job description, yeah. and really let us take the lead. We'd ask his opinion. Um, he'd tell us his opinion. But there was there was, I mean, it's it sounds untrue, but there was basically no tension or friction around any of those decisions. Interesting.
0: And he's old enough and has had enough shows and enough books and enough whatever it is like. A, you're not going to do something way off the beaten path because you do want it to be a sort of surveyed, career-driven thing. Yeah. And there are things that are really well-known that you're obviously going to lean on and have big room full of or whatever. Um, but you're also not going to embarrass He trusts right, that you're not right. going to embarrass him. You're not, you know, some rinky-dink little
1: thing. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, in a, a place where we would um, just sort of make a decision without consulting him might be like, you know, all these images, we like these 15 from this series, and these are the ones we want. Something that we would take his opinion um, above ours would be in the presentation of them. Okay. So, we have opinions um, as a team, as an institution, whatever, as individuals on wall color and frames and all of that. Sure. But because the presentation of a work is so tied to the work, we really wanted his input on things like that. So, how does he usually frame his works? What color? Right. What type of frame? Um, what size does he print them in? You know, yeah, that, I was going to ask that That's question. part of the work
0: itself. I mean, there are some images, including that wall in the big 70s room where you had multiple prints of similar or the same image, right? Like four mm-hmm. or five prints, which, by the way, they switched out at one point during the they show. They did switch out. Because I remember when you and I were walking through the show, because Kristen was nice enough to walk me through the show <laughs> on opening night. Uh, They were a certain set and I went back later. Yeah, Yeah, and it was a different one. It was El Paso, yeah. Yeah, what was the thinking behind that?
1: Well, that was a logistical necessity. Um, We had to swap out all vintage color prints at the halfway mark.
0: For over over use of light, what, what mm-hmm. was the really? yeah for light exposure reasons? <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. So we did that with um, both MoMA's vintage prints and Stevens and his gallery's vintage prints. Interesting. Um, and then a few other images we also swapped out just because they're so important. We didn't want to risk it. Sort of the newer prints that are larger. Um, and so we sort of rebuilt that room. That was the only room we had to do substantial changes to. But we rebuilt that room based on what was available after our first sort of run had. Um, yeah. Well, come the down. stuff on the
0: outer walls were vintage prints, or were those new prints too? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. A mix of the two. Mix. I wouldn't know walking down the line necessarily which were new and which. were.
1: Um, si- size isn't always, but for Stephen, it was size is the giveaway. Yeah so everything that was eight by 10 and there were a few sort of 11 ish by 14 ish or 12 by 15. Those were all vintage in that they were either printed, um, when he, uh, took the image or sometimes in the eighties, yeah, you know, yeah. but, um, everything that was the, it's a, a roughly 21 by 17. Those are digital. Those are sort of after he started scanning his negatives yeah. and printing digitally.
0: It It, it is interesting because that stuff that he's really well known for the like late seventies stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was shooting eight by ten for most of mm-hmm. that. Those could be huge if he wanted them to be. Yeah. He chooses to print them at eleven by fourteen, twenty seventeen. Now by they're all yeah.
1: printed at seventeen by twenty one ish, which is yeah. big but not huge. Right,
0: right. For what they could do with them, you right. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's just his decision to do so.
1: Yeah. So he does like the
0: big stuff. In the next couple
1: rooms over, the right, landscapes the are landscapes enormous. The landscapes are like thirty six by forty something. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Sorry to cut you. Yeah. Off. No. Um. So. So. But that's an. That's an. That's a choice that we looked to him on and his gallery. So we didn't say we want this image in this size. We sort of said we found these vintage prints in this size. Everything he printed for the show, he printed in the size that he now prints in. Oh, interesting. So it was determined by sort of what his practice is for his own objects. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't say, we want it to fill this space, so yeah. you have to expand it or contract it or whatever. I wonder if, a,
0: if, if print editioning had anything to do with the size choices, like, oh, I've printed out 11 by 14s and I've done 20 of them a piece or whatever it is, and I can't print anymore legally. Or, you know what I mean? Like, Right.
1: I, I do think that's that's a factor since he's still alive and yeah. his gallery is selling prints and things. He, he has to make sure that... Um, and he, that he follows all sort of contractual obligations, sure. but also usually they picked that size based on him thinking that was the best. Yeah. And if he starts and if he prints a new size, is that a new addition or is that... Right, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it yeah. can get confusing. Even if
0: it's just for one big show at MoMA. Yeah.
1: And th-
0: th- there are also a couple rooms in there which are n- not a lot of his work, right? The, the found stuff in the third room, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. A lot of that kind of stuff that he found. And then there, there's... The room ooh, on his teaching. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, what was the thinking behind that?
1: Well, the early one was a show that he curated, which he's done three three times. He just curated three shows, I believe. Um, And so, none of that – that was, like, stuff that he had picked. So, we didn't have any specific choices over that. The Room on his teaching – Air Force
0: Aircraft and Strange Gay Porn. It's mm -hmm. like there was really, like, an eclectic group of stuff in there. Yeah,
1: it was sort of about – um, photography that's not art photography it was like photography that's journalism photography that's porn photography yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Um, military sort of propaganda yeah right
0: right okay sorry Go ahead.
1: and then the later room was about his teaching and so we based that off the book he published called the nature of photographs which is an amazing book which i sort of had wished that i had come across when i was taking history of photo classes um, about how to look basically um and so he uses other people's photographs in that to illustrate his points. So he has a, uh, there's a Friedlander, the one that has a cloud sitting on top of a yield sign mm-hmm. basically. And his text about that image is about, um, you know, the photographer choosing where to stand to make, um, to make, uh, coincidences happen that aren't actually happening. Sure. So in other words, it looks like an ice cream cone because Friedlander stood in a specific spot and made it look like an ice cream cone. Right. Yeah. So he's teaching people about, the choices that go into making pictures that people who take pictures already usually know about. Yeah. Um,
0: And you, you spend a fair amount of time with him dealing with all this stuff. mm
1: -hmm, Yeah. He's very accessible, which is lovely.
0: There (laughs) must've been people on staff who like hit it off with him personally more than others, or you know what I mean? People like, Oh, he liked you. So let's send you (laughs) off to go talk to him about this. That's an interesting
1: question. I think that happens often with um, some of the more difficult artists. Maybe I'm not just saying this. He is very, very, kind and down to earth and open so we didn't we didn't there was no one that he like didn't hit it off with that was never an issue you know he was as friendly to our chief as he was to the intern like it really didn't matter
0: okay yeah Um, yeah and and there's the stuff that people the most famous stuff there's the stuff that maybe is your favorite mm -hmm. walking through could you get a sense of what was his favorite
1: oh that's a good question i mean um
0: because how many? Let me guess. Let's see. Twenty, forty. There must have been two hundred something on the wall. Depends how on many, how,
1: depends on how you count.
0: Well, because yeah, the room that is sort of like an Instagram feed, a proto Instagram feed, right?
1: Right. So there's, um, there's a lot of them on there. So American surfaces. Yeah. If you count each of those individually. Yeah. And the room of found material. If you yep. count each of those individually. Yeah. There's. There are over seven hundred objects. Oh, really, makes, okay. Yeah, um, but then again, you know, is all the meat you can eat an ob like a work, yeah. or is it a series of little works within it? Is sort sure, of a yeah. way to question it. Right. So you could get as low as um, you know maybe four hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I always I always wonder when you with an artist who's had that long of a career if the thing that that sparks the public's imagination the stuff they're known for is the same as is the stuff that yeah. they think of is like oh yeah i really nailed it then or if they were just like man i took pictures of gas stations people really loved it but man these landscapes are what i think you know yeah, i always yeah, wondered yeah. that and you, you don't get to ask somebody who's dead you know what i mean right, you can't go right. back and ask stykem what you know what i mean or what, you know yeah um you
1: ever get a sense of that um i never asked him directly um Let's call but him. <laughs> But my experience with artists, and this is true with him and has been with other artists, is they're always interested in what they most did recently and what yeah. they're working on. Sure. So um, I, th- I I know that he... Loves America, um uncommon places and American Services sure. and thinks they're great pictures. But if you said like, "What do you want to talk about with your work?" It would always be what he's doing the now. The newest thing, yeah. and that's I think true of a lot of artists. Is sure th- they look to us to sort of like look at the his- historical stuff. They're yeah. interested in what you worry coming about the next. past. I'll worry about exactly. the future. Yeah. So while we were working with him, he had gotten. Um, this is where I'm going to show that I'm not a photographer. The new it's hasselblad a camera and a lens. <laughs> the new Hasselblad um with a touch screen the x1d okay he was working with that camera um and taking images some of which ended up in the show he had at 303 pretty recently okay none of that was going to be in our show but you know when we went to his studio that's what he was like excited about talking about showing Why wouldn't us. wouldn't it end up in your show too new it was too new and it was um i mean it was work that i don't think he, he was just sort of like at first, He's messing around, yeah. yeah, it wasn't um, curated, yeah, it wasn't edited sure. to the work, to the, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So it, you know, you you look at somebody like Shore, and you think his work—if he wasn't Stephen Shore with this sixty-year history of photography—and you look at his Instagram feed, would he have? Tens of thousands of followers on his Instagram feed. Oh, people
1: tell him that he won it all the time in the comments. Like, people say, like, this is such crap. If you weren't, and you, if you, weren't you, you, this would have be nothing. No it's, a, yeah. it's a coffee cup or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and I mean, that might be part of it, but he's the guy who invented that stuff <laughs> 40 years ago. <laughs> right. So he gets a little bit of a pass on it, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. And, and he has said, you know, um, that for him, Instagram is like a notebook. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't print every one of those images, and he would never take every one, of those, every one of those images with an 8x10. He sort right. of said a lot of them don't warrant the Deerdorf, but they're also interesting yeah. enough to me that I want to kind of like try something, take a note, like it's like yeah. sketches, basically. And does he
0: use the same camera now that he always used? Or does he, he have, a, I'm sure he has a number of them.
1: He but. went through a couple, but he basically has used the Dierdorf, um from, I think, mid to late 70s on. Before ever- that, it was an Arca Swiss 8x10.
0: Sure. Was there ever a question of having the camera in the show?
1: We had a couple cameras in the show in that very last yep. room. Yep. The um, Mickey Mouse. We weren't going to take cameras he was actively using yeah. for six months. So we didn't take the Dierdorf. And the Arca Swiss was too big because of the rail. We basically yeah, we've had to camera, build like sure. a three foot shelf to hold yeah, yeah, it. So we didn't even a that four that by
0: in. five rail cameras <laughs> big. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. Let yeah. alone an eight by 10. Yeah. All right. So you finished this show. It's up for six months, mm-hmm. which is a long time for mm-hmm. a show of MoMA. No. Yes. It was so especially long? long
1: for a photo show. Logistical reasons that have to do with the renovations. Okay. <clears throat> so if you've been to the museum, you know that some of the galleries are closed, some yeah. of the spaces are closed. So you it got was, lucky. It was kind of a it was <laughs> kind of a calendar thing. <laughs> one could say one could say it was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and and you know, you how much of you working on that show was uh, uh, part of getting the new job? Do you think it was like, oh, you've shown you can work on this thing at this level? And, you know, you were telling me once that you like you helped mm-hmm. come up with a new cataloging system because Steven's stuff is like, you know, just you have to come up with something to cover X years. Mm-hmm. And for a guy who's been thinking about being a professional since he was 13 years old or whatever it is, yeah. Younger, I'm surprised probably. he didn't have his own obsessive cataloging <laughs> system that covered the whole thing.
1: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I do think it had a part to play. I mean, the show is well reviewed, which always helps. Sure. But I do think what you said, it, it's more that I sort of can now say that I've seen a show from basically yeah. conception to actualization. Yeah, you can get the job done. And whether we're talking about the stage where we're worried about insurance and shipping or we're talking about the stage when we're developing vitrines for the galleries. I've sort of been there for that yeah, on a yeah. major show. I've yeah. done that before here and there on smaller shows, but when you're only at a museum for 10 weeks, six months, sure. the shows take th- two to three years at least to plan. Isn't that
0: crazy, though? Yeah, I, I
1: mean, you know, some take longer. Some have been in the works for decades because of loans or whatever, but... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I Sometimes I think about things like the Michelangelo sketches that were at the Met recently. It's just like, oh my God, the yeah. amount of time and energy trying and to that, collect and all that And stuff. that's an
1: example of a show that was, you know, the, uh, a twinkle in somebody's eye a decade, a ago. decade ago, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that, so that helps with moving on in the field. It's sort of saying, no, I've seen, I've seen it from beginning to end now and I can yeah. talk about any part of that along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And,
0: and with so many photographers out there, I mean, you, you know, your bosses chose shore before you got there or that was in the works, but there's so many people who are possibly at that level. How do you choose? I mean, you were saying that, you know, some people are MoMA photographers, some are met photographers, some are too present
1: in the, in the zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. So, um, I've, I was never in one of those meetings because it's sort of a closed door thing, but yeah. the questions you have to answer at MoMA when you propose a show are why MoMA and why now? So why does the show need to happen here as opposed to somewhere else? And why does the show have to happen now? And so each curator comes with their proposal to answer those questions. Okay. So it's different for every show, what they're saying. Um, it also has to do with...
0: And those get approved like by the board? Like How far up does that go? There's
1: there's an the Exhibitions Committee, okay. who's sort of interior. And of course, the director, Glenn, sure. yeah, is yeah, yeah. overseeing yeah. all of that. Um, but it's, it's sort of uh, senior staff, executive yeah, 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 level yeah, staff, yeah, yeah. all of that. Sure. But they're also looking at the entire museum and the calendar. So MoMA balances um, historic shows with contemporary ones. Sure. Right? So if we're going to do a couple um shows of living artists we also need to look back at our roots with people like picabia for sure, example yeah. which was up around when steven was um and they you know they want a balance from places around the world we ideally want a balance in gender and like all these sorts of things so that when people come to the museum we don't happen to just have you know our yeah. our 10 major retrospectives of of dead white men up at the same time sure. and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we want group shows mixed with monographic shows yeah. All of that.
0: Well, I mean, okay. So that's just to wrap up the museum part. Is is the history of photography really is the history of a bunch of white guys in large? You know, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they're the Camerons and the you know, you know, those people exist, but it's a, been a very Western art from a from a, a curatorial point of view, from a museum point of view, mm-hmm. in many ways is there a big draw in the in the in the industry now to say no we need to be more inclusive we need to go find that female photographer that african photographer mm-hmm. who's been ignored for Decades who deserves to be here is that is that in the zeitgeist of of
1: definitely and sometimes it's to be inclusive sometimes it's because people want in our world to find the thing that hasn't been done yet. Yeah. And some of these things have been done so much that there's that there's a genuine interest in what haven't we looked at like like who who can I bring to the attention of people in New York. That they don't know about yet. Um, So, yeah. So, like, one of the curators in the MoMA department is very interested in um, South American photography and Central American photography. So, she's really built up our collection of Argentinian and Brazilian and Mexican and Cuban photographers. Yeah. Um, Someone else is interested in contemporary African. So, goes to the sort of art fairs and looks for... looks for who's young and exciting and and what they're doing in yeah. in um, you know South Africa or anywhere else um, so yeah so th- there's definitely the the museum's interested in that and I do think the broader field yeah, is sure. too um, there's a lot we're still sort of obsessed with the first you know the first to do this the first to do that which is also actually quite a Western um, yeah, way of looking exactly. at things yeah a, I had a um, – there's a character at Momo who talks about stuff that comes later not being derivative, but being the culmination. Oh, so interesting. If, so sort of flipping the viewpoint, as opposed to the first person to a photogram, and they get all the credit for doing sure. photograms. Like, let's look at what the photogram became, maybe someone in – um, a different country did it later, but brought something to it that was new. And that's actually yeah, yeah, the apex of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or added the,
0: some chunk of their culture and mm-hmm. that twisted it in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So while we're, but we are interested always in the firsts. So there's a sense in which people want to be the first to introduce a new artist, a new country, a yeah. new
0: And then there's dialogue. a question of, oh, well, we did a show of some... Asian photographer, whatever it is. And it didn't do as well as the one of the, you know, that's got to be. That's also it.
1: something we want to mix in the museum whenever possible. So there's the, the blockbusters, which, yeah. you, which you need to get people in the door to get a certain amount of press, et cetera. Sure. And then, for instance, after shore, um, the show that was going to open in, in that space is a Yugoslavian architecture show.
0: Yeah, Which
1: is going to bring certain audiences, but it's not going to be the show that, you know, when my mom comes to visit, she's already heard about. I really want to go see the Yugoslavian architecture show. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I was, when I was in, uh, uh, I may have mentioned this at at lunch the other day, but uh, when I was in London at at the Tate Modern, they had a show of 1937, 1932. It was was all the work Picasso made in a single year,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know. In chronological order, you know, and it's saying like, this was Saturday, June 23rd, because he kept notes and whatever it is. And here's what he made this day. And then the next day he made this, and then he didn't work for five days, and then he painted this. And there was something interesting about cutting it down instead Mm -hmm. of having it be this big survey or greatest hits of whatever it is. It's like, no, this is what Kristen made in this month. Right. Yeah. Like, here's a slice of an artist's life.
1: And people like... Picasso and Warhol and Rauschenberg can get that treatment now because there have been so many of the yeah. highlights
0: shows, sure. the, yeah, the yeah, major... Yeah. And of, they were so crazy prolific that there's yeah. enough to show in, in something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas
1: with a new artist, usually you start with something, sort of introducing them, and then after a while, you can sort of you can dive into these yeah little slices. By the way, we could do that with Steven so easily because well, he sure. was so archival. And he's, and he's and definitely
0: one of those people, too, who who you, know, you walk from room to room, it could have been a different guy... Yeah. Making all that yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about that, actually. He sort of, um, I don't remember if he was willing to name the photographer, and I wouldn't either anyway, but he sort of talked to someone who said, I know that my best work happened 30, 40 years ago. Like, I know that yeah, I, I have not had a new idea right. really since then. And Stephen, so as a he was younger, when he talked to this person, thought that was just the most depressing future imaginable and wanted to be someone more like the lines of Stieglitz, who... You know, went from one thing to another, completely reinventing his style of photography every yeah, time. Yeah, You know, Even did if he the equivalents what and also wanted did. from him. Right. He sort of did pictorialist work, and he also did the equivalents, and he also did sort of you know brought yeah. early 20th century modernism to photography.
0: Right, 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 um, right, right, right.
1: And so, yeah, so he explicitly wanted to be. A photographer who could completely like turn on a turn on a dime and head yeah. in a new direction.
0: It's you know you you were at a place that was very much twentieth century in many ways. I mean it had nineteenth yeah. century emphasis. photography, but emphasis yeah. on twentieth century. Mm-hmm. You're going to a place that's an emphasis on nineteenth century.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But but where do you see the future of photography? Oh I mean, <laughs> even, well, no, even as even if even as MoMA is a twentieth century place, in some ways it's even. It's not 1990s, 20th century. It's mm-hmm. like Stephen's probably the end of the edge of the curve that MoMA really is getting involved. In. You know, I mean, obviously there's new work stuff mm-hmm. that you guys do as service, like, uh, uh, you know, group shows and things. But
1: we have a sweet spot for sure. And Glenn yeah. has acknowledged that. He sort of talked about, you know, we have the best. Col- we MoMA has the best collection in the world between, let's say, 1905 and, yeah, yeah. and 1970. Yep. Yep. Best in the right. world. And he would like, and the museum would like to be able to say that about the next 40 years too, but so far it's not as clear. Yeah. So and we definitely have a sweet spot. In some ways sure. it's,
0: it's safer, not safer. This is, this is going to sound bad, but like, you know who the big people were from 1905 to 1970. Yeah. Who knows who the guy who's going to be remembered from 2002 is. Right. It, his might, their work might not even be seen yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. It, so it's tougher because th- those decisions have already been made of who's important in the mid twentieth century.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, right? Um, and that's not to say that people can't be rediscovered, but in general, sure, the yeah. canon is set. Yeah, as I would say, yeah, yeah. for that time period. Yeah, it's, and you know there are when a lot of people say they want to be curators now. What they mean is they want to figure out who's going to be big from twenty eighteen, and that's awesome. Like there are a lot do you of people see that who as do being that. a curator. Um, it's not the kind of curator I want to be.
0: Yeah, that goes back to that original definition we came up to.
1: So I'm interested, because, I think because of this background of wanting to be a professor and an art historian and all these things, I'm interested in a, in a more historical, yeah. um, less entrepreneurial sure. understanding of being a curator. Yeah. So there are people like Klaus Biesenbach, for instance, you know, founded Berlin Biennial. He's the um, director of PS1 and chief curator of large at MoMA. He's someone who's always had his finger on like, I don't know, what's more contemporary than the pulse um, of wherever he is. The cutting edge of whatever it is. Exactly. And I want people like that to exist because that's not what I'm interested in and not what I'm good at necessarily. Sure. Um, So there are people who graduated with me who are art critics right now and are on the ground going to every gallery. They're friends with every artist. They're sort of doing that um, sifting work to figure out um, whose work has staying power, who who did a good work, but is going to continue to do good works as opposed to, to be sort of a one-off. Like they're doing all yeah, of that yeah, yeah. hard work. It's also difficult. And I, I want to get there 15 years later at least. Right.
0: And because th- that crisscrosses with the gallery world a little too much. And then how much of being in a museum is just a hype machine for sales. And, right. You know what I mean? All the rest of that. Right. right? Or right? taking that,
1: a cue from a gallery. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. happens. I mean, at a major art fair, a gallery will, will sort of dedicate their whole booth to an artist and, Curators go to art fairs and get ideas, and then sort of turn that into a show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's and that's all well and good. But I'm interested in a little bit slower pace of um, building the history.
0: So, so Anna, you you're super excited to get started down there.
1: Yes, definitely very excited. Um, They have an amazing collection, and it's not well known enough, in my opinion, among the photography world. Um, I don't know if you knew of you Amy Carter as a museum. Um, and I think. Um, with a little, with, with a certain amount of, um, research and publicity and all these things, people will sort of see it as a necessary, um, photo stop the way they do the CCP in Tucson or sure. MoMA or any of these other sort of photo centers, the Getty, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's exciting. Well, we'll have to have you back now when you, uh, have gotten your hands dirty in the 19th century (laughs)
1: well maybe you could come down to fort worth
0: we're gonna come down to fort worth i'll check it out and we'll get we'll get the full tour down there okay sounds good thank you so much for taking the time
1: thanks